following audio is a Sunday sermon from Red Church in Blackburn, Australia. For more information about the church and its ministry, please go to www.redchurch.org.au. We are in the midst of a series, which I'm going to introduce, and then I'm going to introduce Trudy. But I just want to do a little bit of a like a halftime team talk. Um, for what God is doing amongst us. This series is called New Wine, Contending for Renewal. And I might just get you to open your scriptures, your Bibles. Uh, if you're visiting and you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, uh, which is the Maroon book. Some say purple. And we're going to actually turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And you'll notice that uh, there is a verse there which God speaks once he has created humans. So we're just going to read two verses. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So the original sort of command for humanity was to go into the world and as created in the image of God to go into the world and then by going into the world to fill it with God's glory. God's glory was in us and when we went into the world we would then fill it with God's glory. This was his plan. We see, I won't get you to jump forward unless you're very dexterous with your fingers. You can do this. We're going to go to the very end of the Bible. Don't feel you have to but if you're feeling daring this morning turn to Revelation 21. And in verse 3, it says this. This is the end of the story of Scripture. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. The end point is of the entirety of the cosmos, of our world, of humanity, filled with the presence of God. So the beginning of the Bible is a promise that the world will be filled with God's glory. The end of the Bible is the fulfillment of that promise of the world being filled with God's glory. But we find in Genesis 3 that what happens is humans decide not to continue with God in this project. They decide to rebel. They decide to go their own way. They decide to actually try and fill themselves with their own divine glory. And they fall for the trick of the serpent to actually eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and become like God's. And this means that humans are cut off from God's presence and their purpose. And so, renewal has two meanings. And I just want to touch base with both of them in 30 seconds. The first meaning is the primary one when you look it up in the dictionary, which is actually to renew, is actually to start something again. It's to pick up something that's been put down. And so the first meaning of renewal is actually for humans, now through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, who have access to his presence, to pick up their God-given role, purpose, promise, as presence bearers, and to go into the world, sharing with others his presence in them as living temples. So in this season of renewal, we pick up that promise and purpose and go into the world. 
So this is a posture that Christians at any time need to step into a renewal moment. Christianity post the fall is continual renewal. The second meaning of renewal is to make something new, to give new life to it, to revive something, to breathe into it again. And this is the second meaning of renewal. And again, to Christianity always in the business of renewal. But at this time in history, we're in the West, so much of the church is in decline, when our culture is also in decline, attempting its own secular renewal that is failing before our eyes. The second meaning is true amongst us. That we're in a project of praying and contending for God to again move at this time and believing that he can. So Trudy is going to talk about a particular element that's so key to all renewal, both those definitions, contending prayer. I'm going to pray for her now. Thank you, Father, as Trudy comes to share with us. May that vision for contending renewal be brought before us. May you speak to us of the way in which we pray to get ourselves into alignment with you. We contend for your kingdom to come. So Father, be with her. May her words align with your words. As the scriptures are open, may they speak to our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. First ever sermon Trudy's about to give. Um, don't give her an applause because of Trudy. Give her an applause for what God has done in her life. Well, thanks, Mark. And it's great to be here. I'm going to begin with a scripture. Always a great place to start. I looked for someone among the lamb, uh, among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. Ezekiel 22:30. God is always looking for people who will stand in the gap, who will cry out for his mercy, to cry out for his kingdom to come in the land. This is the essence of contending prayer. I want to tell you about Peggy and Christine Smith. They were both sisters, elderly women. They were both in their 80s. One of them was bent over with arthritis and the other lady was blind. In the world sense, in the worldly view, they were both weak and couldn't do much but they could pray. They lived in a small village called Barvis, which is in the Isle of Lewis, which is in a remote island up to the north of Scotland. So you can imagine the weather conditions outside. Horrendous, choppy, strong winds blowing off from the North Sea. Freezing, but at night, these two elderly sisters used to sit by their fireplace and they would pray. What night after night, and you can imagine that's probably the best place to sit in a place like that. I would be too. Anyhow, 
They would do this. And one particular night, they were really feeling burdened for the lack of young people in the church from across the field. So as they were pouring out their hearts one particular night to God in their native Gaelic tongue, that one of them received a vision of young people filling the church. So what they did, they didn't just ignore this, as some people would, oh, it's just, just a vision. They actually, the next morning, they took this seriously and they summoned the minister to come to the house. You can imagine Peggy and Christine, come here right now, we've got something to tell you. They summoned him and they said, get ready, revival is coming. And he's like, what should I do about it? Can you imagine the shock of the minister? He's like, what? In Barbas? Anyway, they said, get ready. And he said, they said well, what should I do? They said, you should pray. As they would have said in their Gaelic tongue. Oh, my Gaelic's not too good, though. <laughs> so they proposed, they had a proposal for them. They said, if you will gather the elders from the church and meet twice a week, and pray. We will commit to praying from 10 p.m. to 3 in the morning, two times a week. That's hunger for you, isn't it? So it happened. A series of late night prayer meetings began in Barbas in 1949. And they continued to do this week after week, and which weeks then turned into months with no immediate answers to prayer. But they persevered because these sisters, these people believed that if God had spoken, then they should pray into that, pray that into being. So as I say, this kept going on with no apparent answers and they persevered. And they kept praying till one night an elder stood up in one of these late night prayer meetings and he read Psalm 24. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Just a little side note. This psalm has been coming up at Red Church. What I mean by that is people in our community have been sensing this psalm and God has been bringing it up in their quiet times. I believe God is speaking that truth to us at the moment. So anyway, this, after he read this psalm, the elder proposed. He said, what's the point of us keep praying if we're not right before God? I must ask myself, is my heart clean pure and my hands clean and then he looked up he emitted apparently a strange cry and then he fell to his knees the room was suddenly filled with the presence of God this moment has been identified as the catalyst that released the power of God, the move of God in Hebrides. 
A Gaelic-speaking evangelist called Duncan Campbell was then sent to the island and when he arrived, the church was already a field with people curious to know what had happened, what is happening. There were people who actually woke up at midnight and found themselves with a strong urge to go to church. There were meetings that would go to 4 a.m. in the morning. People were encountering God before they even got to the church building. They were encountering the Holy Spirit. Some historians argue that there hasn't been a more significant revival anywhere else in the West since the Hebridean revival in 1949. So I've got up here. All renewals, both personal and corporate, are built on contending prayer. I'll be teaching on some key concepts of contending prayer this morning. The first one I'd like to talk about is contending prayer is responding to Jesus' invitation to join him in contending. If you're a night taker, this is one to get down. The essence, it's important to get the order right that it's Jesus, it's the Father who invites us first. We need God's captivating power and presence in our personal lives. One thing that God wants us to realise is how very desperately he cares for the lost in our cities. He is a God of compassion and the pain and cries in the city have touched his heart deeply. He longs for us to partner with him in bringing hope into our cities. He is the answer to the problems, all the problems and pain, and his presence in the city will make all the difference. When we see the ruined condition of our communities, it should break our hearts and stir us to pray. That's a quote from Debbie... Przbliski, that's a hard one to say, I hope I got that right. It says in John, the book of John, that the Father is always working. And where the Father is, Jesus is with him. The Holy Spirit reveals where Jesus is at work and invites us to join him. Also in Hebrews, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the great high priest. He intercedes on our behalf. Another one to write down. Contending prayer awakens us and softens and changes our heart, aligning it with God's will. I'll give you a moment to write that. Contending prayer begins with intimacy with the Father. First, to get to know his love for us. And in that, we get to know his heart. 
We get to hear his voice. We need to have our hearts softened and broken to ask those questions. Is my heart clean? Are my hands clean and pure? This is all preparation to contend, to desire to contend in the first place, to pray as we sing in that song, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Another key thing is that worship and contending go hand in hand. When we worship, we're praising God and we put God in his rightful place and by doing so, we align ourselves with the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer... We always start with adoration for who he is. We declare his holy name. And then we pray, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would it look like if we all started our day like that? If we all started our day in adoration for who he is. If we all asked, God, I want your kingdom to come in my life today. Wherever I am, would your kingdom be known? Would your kingdom break out? Prayer also opens up our imagination to possibilities. We begin to imagine and pray what God's will is. In Ephesians, it tells us, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I love... what I was reading in uh, Experiencing God, this book by Henry Blackaby. And it talked about, do we dare to ask or imagine as a church or as people what only God can do? Do we dare to dream up and ask that? Do we dare to imagine that God can do something in Melbourne in our time? We have to ask those big things and believe that he can do it because of who he is. Another one to write down. Contending prayer is praying in the full power and personhood of Jesus' name. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. 
In Jesus' time, when someone was given a name, a name was not just a name as we know it. A name actually meant the whole personhood or their character. So when we're actually praying in light of this verse, we're not just praying simply Jesus' name. There's much more to that. We're actually praying in, along with Jesus. We're actually praying along with all that he represents, all his character and all that he wills to do. That's why we can have the confidence to pray his will. It's sometimes a misunderstood verse because it's actually about the will of the Father, the will of Jesus. It calls us to trust in his sovereign perspective, to trust in his timing. But when we're praying alongside the will of Jesus, it's his will for the kingdom to advance. We can know that that's going to happen. We can stand in that truth. But I know trusting in his timing and his way when we've been contending for a loved one for many years and we don't see any change, that can be tough and I want to acknowledge that today. When we've been waiting for someone to be healed and it hasn't happened, that's tough. So I acknowledge that there could be a whole sermon series, in fact, on this. Simply today, I just want to say it's learning to trust in the character of Jesus and who he is and trust in his bigger sovereign perspective. Contending prayer enables us to take ground in spiritual battles. I like this one. (laughs) This is where we get to fight. It's taking a step forward to take a take back ground. It's the path into a war footing. We choose to fight. It's Fight Club. (laughs) I actually don't really remember that movie, but I do remember Brad Pitt fighting. So (laughs) that analogy may fall down. However, we do get to find an inner warrior. Do you know that God has actually created us to contend? Do you know when we actually invite Jesus into our hearts? We have the great warrior king living in us. So we have all authority and power that Jesus has given to us. We have the keys to the kingdom just is incredible. It's beyond our understanding. So when we pray, we can stand and declare all authority in Jesus. 
But we must be aware that there is resistance to prayer. This is where it's a fight. We can't go in not being aware of this. The enemy is always wanting to come against our intimacy and the advancement of the kingdom. The definition of contend, to contend or contend, is to strive or vie in contest or rivalry against difficulties or to struggle. In Ephesians, it tells us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. For our struggle, we could actually replace struggle with the word contend or contending. For our contending is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and so on. (coughs) Contending prayer pushes us against our flesh and aligns our spirit with his spirit. Another one to write down. Contending prayer follows the rules of Jesus' upside-down kingdom. Those with no earthly power discover that in the kingdom they can have tremendous spiritual power. Think back to Peggy and Christine Smith. In the world's eyes... They didn't have much to give. But in the spiritual realm, they were giants. I should say giants in big words, actually. They were giants. Can you imagine in the spiritual realm the cloud of witnesses cheering these two women on? I would love to see that. We discover in prayer that his power is made perfect in our weakness. It builds our faith as we see things that only God can do. Some of you may be feeling today that you don't have much to give in prayer. That you might feel like, I don't know how to pray. But you know what? that's actually a good place to start because that's where you get to see God step in. But I do have to say it is a choice. It's a choice to invite Jesus in, to stand with him in that and say, Jesus, I don't know how to pray, but I want your help. So that's a starting place. I really love this quote from Rhonda Huey. I think it summarises the victory we have and authority we have in prayer. God longs to open doors of spiritual reality to us. He wants us to sit with him in heavenly places. 
we must live with a spiritual vantage point from the throne of God. The throne of God is the seat of his authority. It represents the place from which he rules and reigns over the nations. Jesus invites us to his place of authority and victory. We have to see the Lord. We have to accept the invitation to come up higher around the throne, to behold Jesus, to see him and believe. Once you see this, you have hope. And once we see what God sees, then we come into agreement. We can come into agreement with his purposes. So where to from here? It starts with us as individuals. I've put down, we've put down continuous prayer as well because contending prayer is not just a one-off activity. In fact, it's a lifestyle. It begins by building it into your routine to wake up daily and choose to contend. It's moving to the active posture. Pete Gregg, who was, is, the, is the founder... Um, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, says this great quote, continuous prayer is effective because it changes us firstly and then it changes the world. Continuous prayer is key to renewing our mind, to have the mind of Christ. Our mind is renewed as we choose to praise instead of despair. We choose to keep our thoughts captive and bring them under the obedience of Christ. We choose to say, Lord, just take this worry. Give it back to him. There's actually scientific evidence that shows that prayer is healthy for our minds. They've actually studied people who pray. Our creator has created us to be in a healthy place when we're having conversations with him. As individuals, we can be contending and asking God, God, have mercy on me. Change my heart. Soften my heart. We can be contending for our friends, our family members, our schools. My goodness, the education needs, our system needs our contending. We can be contending for other issues. We contend for the poor, for the brokenhearted, for our workplace. Just think how many people in this room are represented here. How many schools, how many workplaces, how many families, how many social connections, how many childcare centres? We could go on the list. Imagine if we all said and prayed, God, I want your kingdom to come here. If you're the only Christian in your school or your university class or your workplace, 
God has you there for a reason. And he's calling you to contend. He's made you to contend. Here's a tip. Just start small. As you walk across your school oval to pick up your kids, pray God's spirit over that place. Play a worship song in your headphones. (laughs) Pray a worship song on the way to work. Say a simple prayer before you go into your meeting. God, I want your kingdom. I want your name to be above this meeting today. So small steps, but it's a choice to contend. Prayer with a few. In Matthew, it says, For where two or more are gathered, or two more come together in my name, there I am with them. There is power when we pray with others. Jesus is there. So this could be couples beginning to pray together if you're not already together, praying together. I'm sure you're together. (laughs) Or praying as a family. Praying with your friends. Praying in your triads. (laughs) There's another plug for triads. But so important to be contending with others. And actually, do you know what? Pray for other people. Because when you actually pray for other people, the focus is off yourself. And it actually leads to your own healing. It builds your own faith as you see other people transformed. And finally, prayer gatherings. So excited what God is doing through our Kingdom Come Nights. This is an opportunity where we get to gather as a whole church family to cry out to God together. We're going to have another one coming up in November. We'll give you a date for that shortly or in time. But I really encourage you to jump on board with that. We're also seeking God with if there's any other ways he wants us to be praying as a church family. how he wants us to be gathering and crying out to him. So in a moment, I'm going to play, we're going to play a song by Tim Hughes called Hope and Glory. So it's going to come through the audio system. And the lyrics will be on the, on the um, overhead. And I'm going to invite you, this is a time of reflection, a time of prayer. I'm going to pray before we play the song. I'm just going to invite you. My heart is in this time that God will deposit where he wants us to be contending. So if you want to be on your knees, please feel free to do so. If you just want to bow your head or if you just want to look at the lyrics and reflect, whatever it is you feel God's calling you to do, please feel free to do that. So I'm just going to pray.
Father God, I just thank you that you are mighty, that you are our warrior king, and that you first call us to contend, and that you first want to show us who you are, that you first want to reveal to us your love. So God, I just pray that you'll pour out your love over us this morning that you will show us how mighty you are, that in this song that it is through your presence, through your name and your will, Jesus, that you move mountains. You only need to speak and the mountain is moved. I just pray, God, that you will deposit in our hearts this morning where it is you are calling us to stand up, to push back against the enemy and to stand in who Jesus is because we have authority. I pray that you will reveal to us what that authority means and what that looks like in our lives, Lord God. I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So after that, Mark will move us into a time of communion.